change makers. You see them all around you. They're in your communities, your schools, your workplace. They do powerful things and they make change happen. In this series, we interview the many change makers who built up their policy toolkits at Princeton and went on to change their communities. These are their stories. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Changemakers. Today, I have the opportunity to interview Maribel Hernandez-Rivera. She is the District Director for Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York. She previously served as Executive Director of Legal Initiatives for the New York City Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs. There, she was responsible for creating and promoting innovative access to justice programs for immigrants, including Action NYC and NY Citizenship. Maribel has also served as a supervising attorney at Immigrant Justice Corps, where she directly supervised Department of Justice accredited representatives as they helped low-income New Yorkers apply for immigration benefits. She received her law degree from New York University, her Master in Public Affairs from Princeton, which was then the Woodrow Wilson School when she attended, and her AB from Harvard University. Upon law school graduation, she served as a law clerk to the Honorary Mary M. Schroeder in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. She has spent her career focused on immigration issues, and today we're going to talk about that. Maribel, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. So I want to start with a pretty big question for you, but I think it might guide the rest of our discussion today. What would you say is the number one thing that defines your work? Uh, Well, for me, I have dedicated my life, both my personal life and my career, to immigration. I myself came from Mexico when I was 13, came undocumented, and I was here undocumented for a while. Uh, Sadly, my father passed when he was undocumented. So immigration is something that really has driven uh, the work that I do uh, till this day. So um, let's talk a bit more about the work you're doing right now, because you're working for Congresswoman AOC. Uh, Tell me more about your position and and sort of what projects or initiatives you're particularly excited about. Definitely. So I work as the district director. And what that means is that I am in charge of overseeing our district offices. And so at the district office, what you mostly do is you provide constituent services and you represent the office at external events and in the community. Um, so in fact, about 80% of our casework is immigration related. So people come to us and they say, you know, I applied for my citizenship a year ago and I haven't heard back. Uh, so I want to know what's going on. So we contact citizenship services to understand what the issue is and communicate with the constituents. So we liaise with many of the federal agencies to understand what the issues are. And to be honest, it's pretty rewarding. Um, so I, previous to this position, I worked as an immigration uh, attorney providing legal services. And then um, after that, and right before coming to, uh, to, to, to the Congresswoman's office, I worked at the mayor's office where I created a program uh, to provide immigration legal services. And so this position currently right now is really exciting because it allows me to both help provide those those direct services in a way because we're liaising with the federal uh, government, while at the same time, I also advise in our office when it comes to immigration policy. Um, And in New York City, we are very blessed with a plethora of organizations that do immigration work, and then they do it in such an amazing way 
So we get to work with them to make sure that we are really um, elevating the issues and concerns that they're seeing in the community. And in our community, New York 14, uh, it's highly um, immigrant and immigrant community. And so the issues that I've been working on for a long time, that's what we're working on right now. And so we see it, whether that be citizenship, like I mentioned, whether that be a DACA holder, DACA, uh, right now DACA work permits have been on the backlog. So looking at that, or whether it be right now, as we know, one of our biggest crises is, is um, people in Afghanistan trying to leave the country. And so our office as a federal in, as a federal office is able to communicate with the State Department and try to figure out what can we do to make sure that those refugees get out of there as soon as possible. So so going back, I guess, to, you know, I know sort of your personal past sort of led you on this track. But looking back, I mean, would you have ever thought you would be in such a role when you were a young woman or, um, you know, when you were 13 and just came here, you know, it's hard to imagine what you would do, but what were you thinking back then of what your life would kind of turn out to be versus what it is now? Definitely. No, I, I never imagined this would be the case because I didn't know it existed. Um, so when I came as a 13 year old, I didn't speak English and I remember, and I knew I was aware of my immigration status. So I knew that at any moment I could be sent back to Mexico. And so I remembered that what my strategy was, was let me learn English pretty well so that if I ever get deported, I'll go back to Mexico, work at the airport. And then because I'll speak English, I'll help carry people's luggage. Uh, and in English, you know, they'll come to me and then I'll get good tips. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that was my, uh, you know, that was my plan B in case things yeah. didn't work out. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no, no idea. And to be honest, even as I progressed in my academic career, you know, politics was not something that I thought I would do. I always focused on immigration. Um, and so initially I, I decided to go to Princeton because I wanted to change immigration policy. And then uh, I, I, then I decided, well, then, then I was trying to figure out, do I do immigration policy or do I do um work abroad uh, in development just because of my background, because, you know, I'm aware of the brain drain uh, and people who leave their country, but, you know, their skills could be used back in their country. Uh, so then I went to Mozambique and worked for the Clinton Foundation, but it was then that my father passed. Uh, and so then I was really committed to helping other people like him. And I realized that to do so, I really needed to understand immigration law. And it felt that being an immigration attorney was going to be the way to go. And so that's why, I, that's why I went to law school. And I'm very glad I went to law school because even though now I'm not an attorney, I'm not practicing as an attorney, um, understanding immigration law is really important. Um, you know, I realized that there is a whole uh, vocabulary and a whole system that has been created and it, it excludes a lot of people. You know, even as an affected immigrant, you don't understand what's going on. And that's really, really sad because, you know, if you don't understand it, there's no way you can solve your situation. So I'm glad things changed uh, the way they did. But no, I never imagined that I would be where I am today. Yeah. I mean, on the topic of policy, I've been asking people who come on the show what they feel is the most important policy issue facing us today. How would you respond to that? Uh, today, my I would say two things. Definitely what's going on in Afghanistan, um, because it is a reflection of what we've done in many other places. 
I can tell you my husband is from Honduras and I know that the civil war and a lot of the problems that, that are affecting Honduras today have the root causes in military operations. Um, so Afghanistan is a huge issue. And, and also it also reflects how people who need our help, we need to be nimble. We need to be ready to help people. These are lives we're talking about. Um, and, Similarly, uh, in a bigger context, is climate change. Uh, climate change is affecting all of us, and climate change then has a ton of repercussions, right? So because of climate change, then you have climate refugees. Because of climate change, then you have uh, you know, shortages in housing. Just today, we had a hurricane here in New York, Hurricane Henry. Um, I know that when it went through Mexico, the place where my dad was from Costa Rica, uh, it got flooded and people died. Uh, and you know, and all of this is related to climate change. And it's just really sad to see some politicians and some people, um, put profit over really over people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know here in New Jersey, there's a lot of flooded basements around, not, not nearly as critical as those, you know, who are having more severe flooding, but it's sort of like, how much more does this have to happen for us to all pay attention, for them to pay attention? So think, you know, turning back to your career a little bit, um, I'm curious, this is a broad question, but what's the number one thing you've learned along the way? The number one thing I've learned is um, the importance of relationships and true uh, and candid relationships. And I'll give you a few examples. Uh, even back of my time at Princeton, uh, when I was at Princeton, we had a group of us who put together the students and alumni of color symposium that year. Um, and that was a group of 10 of us. Um, and I can tell you that those relationships, those friendships that I made then have carried me throughout my whole career ever since. Um, when I applied to be executive director of legal initiatives at the mayor's office of immigrant affairs, I didn't know what an executive director was, you know, going back to your question of, do you think you, you, you were going to do this? <laughs> like, no, no idea. Uh, so when I applied and I looked at the job description, I'm like, well, this sounds like, you know, what I've been preparing for. It was immigration related. It, it was about creating a program to, pro to protect immigrants in the city. I'm like, this is definitely what I've been doing. But of course, you need to uh, know how to present yourself. And I remember I put together my cover letter and my, my resume, and I sent it to my friend saying, hey, you know, what, what are your thoughts of my cover letter and my resume? And one of my closest friends from Princeton wrote back to me and said, girl, this looks like you just graduated from college. This is not executive director level material. Um, and, and, you know, I appreciated how candid she was and, and what it was. Is, you know, I put in all the clubs that I was when I was at a college, like, and I was, you know, president of this and that. And she's like, nobody cares. <laughs> An executive director is about what you have accomplished in your career. Uh, but, you know, little things like that, that uh, might sound tiny, but when somebody uh, who's reading and is expecting it, somebody else, they might not have seen. So it wasn't about what club I was in. It was about what immigration expertise I had. And I had at that point point, I had already worked at the Clinton Foundation where I had uh, started and overseen the construction of a uh, NHIV AIDS pediatrics clinic. So that was more important, right, than, than me having run the Mexican-American club at college. But I didn't know how to 
present myself. And it was because of my friends. And that is a small example of like many other times when many of my friends, true friends have come to me and said, Maribel, let's talk about this. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's exciting because I think a lot of what I heard once I started being in this, in, in, in this professional arena was networking. And for me, it's not about networking because networking has like this really negative connotation. It's like, you're just trying to get somebody to get to the next place. And so I would say it's not about that. It's about truly creating relationships. So this friend of mine, I, you know, I have been to her wedding. I know her, uh, you know, like I go to her son's birthday parties every day, every year. So we are true, true friends. And so when she comes to me, I know she has her best, um, well, my, my best, in, uh, her best intentions in, in mind, and she really is trying to help me. So I'm going to listen to her, and I know that she really cares about me. So if, you know, for anybody listening, I would say spend time creating true relationships where you get to know people, because in the end, that's going to carry you through, whether it is through a professional issue or a personal issue, um, people will be there for you. So it sounds like you were really able to do that at Princeton. Can you talk about that a bit more going back, um, just trying to remember what that was like being on campus, being around your peers, learning? Um, What are some moments that stick out for you? Oh, there are so many. So it's all with that group of people. Um, So when I got to Princeton, you know, we all got there, we'd know what was going to happen, but it was our first year that we had to put together the Students and Alumni of Color Symposium. Um, and that was just life-changing because we got so close. So we put together the symposium, then that same group, we went together to Puerto Rico and spent time together. I remember uh, a different friend from that group when we were interviewing for jobs, you know, we all interview on campus. And I put on this suit, the suit that I had been given in my community, to go to um, to an interview, and she looks at me now. This suit, I know a person, the person who gave it to me. You know, that's the best that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but um, my friend, when she saw my suit, she's like, and she's a true friend, so she wasn't criticizing me just for criticizing sake. But she said, um, just so you know, that doesn't look very professional. Uh, and she explained to me why, and then she lent me her clothes. And I went to the interview, got the interview. Uh, but you know, like things like that, and, and you know, and by that point, I was in graduate school, so I had already gone through a few other places where you know I have been exposed to professional life. But this was, you know, coming out of grad school was the first time when I was going to be having a full time job. Um, but you know, things like that where friends were willing to come up to me and say, "Hey, Maribel, let me help you." Let me just show you the ropes. Uh, but at the same time, I, I mean, just with those two examples, those are two examples of fitting within what already exists. At the same time, that same group of friends, when um, when I was at Princeton, there there was talk back then about immigration reform. And there were demonstrations going on, this is 2005, uh, all over the United States. And I was itching to be out there because I'm like, how can I be at Princeton instead of out there calling for what is needed. Um, so I decided to do a, a rally at Princeton. Oh, and wow. those friends, yeah, those friends came out with me. They, you know, we put together t-shirts that call for immigrant rights. We put together a fundraiser. We put together a panel. Um, but it was because of them. You know, they were helping me put that together. We walked around campus. I remember um, as we were putting together a fundraiser, 
I remember Professor uh, Cornell West came by and, you know, supporting us financially and morally. Um, so, you know, it's those friends that, you know, again and again have been there for me. It's those friends that, you know, when when uh, my husband, who has temporary protected status, when his status was put in question by the Trump administration and I was really worried as to what would happen those friends were like, we're here for you. You know, anything happens, we're here for you. Don't you worry. Um, so I really see them more like siblings than anything else. I know that if I need anything, in fact, one of those friends, um, he is, he's a really good dancer. So at my wedding, you know, uh, they're all there. We're having a good old time. Of course, I'm dancing with my husband, but that good friend of mine, he danced the whole night with my mother. And, and you know, and that's what I talk about, like real relationships, right? So it wasn't just about uh, school. It wasn't just about grades or it wasn't just about jobs. It's about like really living life together. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love hearing those stories. <laughs> Can you talk a bit, a bit more about SAOC and what was that experience like uh, working on that? It was amazing. I'm very glad that Princeton has that. Um, so it was amazing in, at different levels, right? On, on one level, we even started, the way we started our conversation that year was, should we have this or should we not? And why or why, why or why not is this necessary? Uh, and so just to be able to have that conversation, you know, you don't see that in many places. Um, and so we had the conversation and to really understand why is it an, that an SAOC is necessary at Princeton University. So after we got that over that hurdle, and that's really important because, again, in terms of lessons learned, right, you want to make sure that everybody who is doing something is really bought into the idea so that we're not just doing it because we were told to do it. Uh, we actually got the opportunity to question, should we do it? And then after our conversations, we said we most definitely should do it. So then we did it. Um, and so, of course, you know, it also on the professional level, uh, at least for me, I had never put together uh, such a conference. So thinking about speakers, et cetera, as a group was amazing. So, so there's that, that professional experience and skills, the learning of how, how to put together a big conference. But like I said, what we came out of SAOC with that is more important for us were those relationships. The people, the organizing group from that year, we are, you know, we have a WhatsApp group that we're always talking through. We were at each other's weddings, at each other's celebrations. When somebody has a question, advice, you know, another person from that group, um, I remember going to her when I actually then became executive director of legal initiatives. And I said, tell me all about management, because that is one thing I hadn't nobody had taught me about. And so she introduced me to the managing center. She gave me her book and she's like, you know, here's what I use. She uh, is now, and she has been for, for a long time, uh, the CEO of various nonprofits. And so she held me by the hand when I was like, you know, how, how do I do this? <laughs> because now that I got it, this is great. I know the immigration side of things, but there are many other things to know. Um, so all that to say that I, and, and since then, uh, our group shows up to SAOC on a yearly basis as much as we can. And I have seen what it does also to create community, right? Um, you know, I have had the privilege of go to various elite institutions, but but when you go to those institutions and there are people who don't look like you, uh, who don't have the same experiences like you, 
it can be pretty hard. Uh, and so this group of 10 of us, uh, we had similar experiences. We could communicate at different levels. And at the same time, we could learn from each other. You know, I learned from so many of them because though we might have had something in common, there were different experiences there too. Uh, and I think that's another thing that SAOC does for Princeton. It brings those experiences to bear for people to understand as we're becoming policymakers. Yeah, thank you for sharing a bit more because some of our listeners might not be as familiar with what it is. And I appreciate you opening up about that. Um, what other kind of skills do you feel like you gained at the school that you're maybe still using today? You know, this one, the, the funny one is statistics. You know how oh. you have to take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I don't use it on a daily basis, but I appreciate being able to read a document and being able to understand it. Because again, as I mentioned before, when I went to law school, I wanted to learn that language of power in a way, right? This is the same thing here. If you go into a meeting and they're talking about the stats piece and you have no idea what they're talking about, it, it's a way of excluding you. Uh, and so because of Princeton, and I should tell you, I took stats when I was in college and I didn't get it. So it was yeah. good that I took it again when I was in grad school. Um, and, and, and I don't use it every day, but I am glad that I'm able to use that tool if I need it. So that's one. Uh, the other, I do have to say the network that we create. So I told you about the group of 10, but I also, there's people beyond, beyond that group of 10, just people that, that I came in touch with when I was at Princeton you know, it's a, what I appreciate about the graduate school is that it's a small school where you can truly, if you want to, you can make those relationships. You can really get to know the people. And these are people that you're going to see for the rest of your career, whether or not you're in the same issue area, right? You mm -hmm. might be in other issue areas, but you'll be working with each other. Um, and to be able to always tap into somebody and, you know, pick their expert, pick their brain for their expertise. That's really exciting. Yeah, that's really helpful to be able to tap on people, you know, throughout the lifetime, really. Um, and I know what you're talking about with those skills that, you know, you may not use them every day. But, you know, as a, I studied journalism, and we had to take spelling tests and a lot of like grammar and style. And it's something that I use every day and probably completely take for granted. But that class really drilled it into you, you know, so you don't really make those mistakes down the road, and you're using it here and there. But I can relate. Definitely. And <laughs> And I should tell you this other story too that, uh, so I told you about this good friend of mine who's like, girl, that resume does not look like an executive director. And what she recommended that I do, she said, reach out to career services at Princeton and they can walk you through, you know, how to strengthen it. And I did. And not only did they help me make my resume look better, they actually mocked interview me for the position. And so that was really, you know, really amazing for me because I didn't have that in my household where somebody could mock interview me for this kind of job because we don't know what people look for when it comes to an executive director. But I went to, you know, at that point I was an alum. I had been out a few years um, and Princeton opened the doors and like, come in. We'll, we'll walk you through this. And, sh and they sure did. And I really do give credit to Princeton, not, for, not only for when I got the job at the Clinton Foundation when I was a student, but for getting the executive director job many years after I had graduated. That's really cool that they did that. That's awesome. Um, well, Maribel, we're just about out of time. Um, and I like to kind of close these episodes with advice for the next generation, or maybe even those who are looking to make a career switch. What would you tell those people today? So for the next generation, 
I would say, um, and, and really to, to going back to that learning about relationships. So I should tell you all that uh, throughout my career, I guess, because of my experiences, I was very hardcore and focused when it came to academics or when it came to work, etc. And as I've gone through my career, I have realized, you know, it's important to work hard. Yes, for sure. But it is more important to enjoy the ride. And as you're enjoying it, getting to know the people who are right next to you. So I think often we think about, oh, you know, that person who's already made it, I wish I were their friend. And you know, if that happens, that's great. But what you should know is that the people who are going along with you on this ride, they might be your best cheerleaders, your best advocates, and your best advisors. So really take the time to get to know them. That's that's one. And for people who, who are thinking of changing careers, because you know, as you might have seen from my career, it wasn't a linear path. I, I wanted to change immigration uh, and I just didn't know how that was going to happen. And it's been in many different places. I would say take advantage of opportunities that come your way. That's usually what I, you know, if somebody, something comes my way, I really think about it as opposed to just dismissing it. Um, and, and then you can really learn from each opportunity, get the best out of it. And then if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You can go on to the next item, but you can always learn from the opportunities that come your way. That's perfect advice. Uh, anything else before we close out today you didn't get to share? Well, I need to tell you that for me, my Princeton education was very important. Uh, like I mentioned in so many ways, so many aspects of my life. So I am grateful to Princeton. Uh, and I should say, I went to Princeton on a full scholarship. Uh, so I am grateful for having been given that opportunity. And I do not take it for granted because I know there's other many qualified people who deserve it. And for one reason or another, don't get that opportunity. Um, and Princeton has changed my life, continues to do so. And I'm glad to be part of the institution. Well, we thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Princeton and talk about your experience and share your advice for, for the future leaders of tomorrow. So thank you again, Maribel. Thank you, Rose. You've been listening to Changemakers, a podcast produced by the Princeton School of Public and International Affairs. This show is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Rose Huber. Listen and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.